Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome to your Cleveland Browns versus Baltimore Ravens game day preview crossover show with myself, Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland and the great Jake Burns of the OBR Film Breakdown. How are we doing today, Jake? Brad, I'm good, man. Uh, I'm good. Good weekend. Some some good football is on here, college football-wise. It's uh, I couldn't complain. Couldn't complain. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, big game tomorrow. Big game today. Uh, excited for it. And, uh, yeah, I, we can dig into all this stuff. We've got lots to, uh, discuss here, but I'm doing pretty well. Good week. Good week. Good all week. Right. Let's see if these guys can turn the corner, man. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Uh, so, um, game day weather, games at 1 p.m. Let's talk about the weather first. Uh, yeah. it's going to be, uh, overcast, uh, throughout the day. It's going to be nice, a high of 62, uh, wind speed up to six miles per hour. That's nothing compared to Cleveland. Uh, there is a chance of light rain in the afternoon to evening. Probably will miss the game, but I think I saw fourth quarter. It gets up to like a 19% chance of rain. So you may get a little light rain at the end of the game, which would be intriguing if it's close. Uh, but probably not. You're probably dry for most of the game. Yeah, it looks like it's got it's a good weather weekend in Ohio in general. So this yeah should be minimal impact. Uh, I know they're out east coast. Doesn't seem like it's traveling too far over there. So over on the on the bay or whatever. So should be should be a nice weather game for this one. Which is the Browns have run into nothing but good good weather so far. Really. Yeah, no complaints there. Uh, this is a CBS game, and we've got the same uh, group as last week here. Jake, uh, Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and Melanie Collins on the sideline. Uh, thoughts on their coverage last week? Fine. Uh, as long as I don't notice anything too egregious, right? And I, I think that they were uh, sure they were fine. I, I, did you like them? Yeah, they were fine. Bad luck. I'm kind of superstitious. Would like to have gotten off of them after that terrible loss, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, we need to we need to reverse course luck on some of these on something some of these games, man, where they feel like they're right on the cusp. Now, last week they were not on the cusp, but. Uh, Correct. For the most part this year, we can agree they've been right there. Um, all-time series stuff I've got here. So the Ravens lead the all-time series 34-12. to They've won four of the last five. I also looked, saw this, too, in my game capsule that I post each week from NFL Communications, which is, always has some neat little facts on there. But uh, Harbaugh is 23-5 and lifetime against the Browns. Stefanski, 1-3 all-time. thought that was interesting. What, what was Harbaugh again? 23 and 5. Goodness gracious. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Sounds about right. I think last year they split. Um, I think the only blowout in the Stefanski run here was the first game of uh, 2020, right? The Browns got beat pretty ugly there. Yes. Uh, and that one, if I, if I recall correctly. So, yeah, should, uh, should, I mean, I don't know. It should be decent. We'll see what ultimately happens with it. But um, it feels like the, there's been a bit of a balance there the, the past three matchups. Yeah, so they've split 
all the way going back to 2018, they split every year except for the tw- the year that we went to the playoffs. So the 2020 year, we lost them yeah. both. The second one was a uh, all time great matchup, I believe. Whether that was, I think it was Thursday night football or Sunday night football, one of those. But yeah, that sounds right. Uh, it was a really good one um, in Cleveland, I think. So either way. Uh, that's where we're at uh, all time with this one, which is to be expected at this point. If we look at the uh, jumping back to the TV real quick, I posted the coverage maps actually on Twitter well uh, before this, but um, CBS coverage map is kind of weird this week. So it, it's actually from Northeast Ohio all the way to, I guess they call it the BMV, right? Uh, hmm. Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Virginia area. So what would be Baltimore fans there? Uh, directly across, including uh, most of Kentucky. However, Cincinnati is not included in this. They have a different game. They have the national game, I believe, which is the, unfortunately, the A game is the um, Cowboys and the Lions. So that, that'll that be fun. Oh, yikes. And, yeah, Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania all have the uh, Browns game. But otherwise, uh, that's about it. So actually, Northwest Ohio has the... A game, unfortunately, okay. for those okay. of you out there. Uh, the line on this one is minus six and a half to Baltimore, uh, and the current over under is 45 and a half. That has moved a little bit, coming down a little. Yeah, a little, su- a little surprised it uh, is quite this high, but yeah, you know, I mean, they think they're Baltimore's a. You know, if you look at some of the stuff, the rates, the scored, you know, points against and points for some of that, it, it kind of adds up. I don't, I wouldn't bet this line, even if you don't like Cleveland in this one. A really six and a half is a lot, and some That's of these end up just feeling a lot closer than that. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Baltimore is. Uh, you know, I was on a Baltimore show, show this week uh, that I do every time we play them, and I'm sure you had a Baltimore guest or spoke to somebody from them, but. You know, they're going through a lot of the same stuff. They've coughed up a couple games here late as well. So very similar complaints from their side of the page on this thing. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense to me, at least, for, uh, you know, they've they've given up these fourth-quarter leads. Lamar has struggled in the fourth quarter. Yes. And, and that is, you know, the, again, it's it's three and three or whatever. I think they're sitting at three and three. They're, they're on the cusp of being really good. It's just they can't finish ball games. So, yeah, it is a lot of similar frustration from their side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now for uh, you degenerates out there, let's get into some uh, game props here. Uh, Jake, uh, see if we find anything, as you would say, spicy on, on the uh, on deck here. Yeah, they have anytime touchdown score. It's always usually a positive side on this one, but the only guy who they think is, I mean, a negative 120 on anytime touchdown score tells us they think Mark Andrews is flat out going to score. Now, like, sure. talk about Andrews more later, but. That's uh that's an alarmingly high number. The guys who are close, I mean, plus one hundred five for Chubb, Kenyon Drake's plus one hundred five, Lamar's plus one thirty five, and then you're just kind of searching after that. But those are the people they they feel most convinced are going to score first touchdown. Score is essentially they're saying Baltimore's going to score first. Andrews and Kenyon Drake give you the best odds. Nick Chubb's plus seven fifty. I do like that number. Yeah. That would be a uh, a spicy one to take. Um. Looking at passing yards and stuff like we always do, uh, passing yards, player props, Jacoby is over under 222.5, Lamar 216.5. Um, touchdowns is 1.5 for both. 
rushing yards. Chubb, this is a lower number. He's usually been in the 80s or 90s. He's only at 76.5. Kareem Hunt is at 35.5, and, and I don't see any Baltimore guys listed there that they feel comfortable putting up for betting. Receiving yards, Njoku is 40.5. Uh, Peoples-Jones, 37.5. Cooper, 54.5. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, again, 7.5. Um, again, this is there's not... I mean, I'm not seeing okay. Mark Andrews is the only guy for Baltimore here, 71 and a half for Mark Andrews. So, yep. you know, take that for what it's worth. He hit on if you took our strong recommendation for Harrison Bryant last week, that hit he's only at 11 and a half again. I yes. like David Bell this week with the struggles that Baltimore has at slot, and I think they're going to have Humphrey chasing Amari Cooper everywhere. 12 and a half is the number for David Bell. So, uh, I do like that number a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I like the double. That's the one I wrote down, too, surprisingly enough. So that's coming from both of us. I like that, and I like the uh, over one and a half, uh, one and a hook on the catches, too. You can kind of double up on David Bell there. He gets two yeah. catches for over 12 yards. I'll take that in this one. I do like game specials plus 5,000 above. These are just, just really, really high odds that you could put 20 bucks <laughs> on and maybe make some money. Here's a fun one. Yeah, Nick I got Chubb it. to score the first touchdown and the last touchdown. It's not oh, bad. Oh wow! Put That's five bucks on that. You can make some serious money. Okay, so let me throw let me that. throw another wild one at you. Or two wild ones at you here that are that I see on Fanduel. Okay. Yeah. So plus thirty two hundred anytime touchdown for Mike Woods, who got his first catch in uh, the league last week. Any chance they use him a little more this week? It's possible. I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't. I mean. Just a matter Maybe of how not. much eleven personnel they want to trot out there. I think I think this is a week where they do spread Baltimore out a little bit because their best players are along the interior and they want to keep defensive linemen off the field as best they can. Yeah. So I, you know, their non-usage of Mike Woods, I kind of thought was a little injury dependent at the beginning because you know he had supposedly had a pretty good camp and then they haven't used him at all. But then all of a sudden he gets a look last week, so maybe he sneaks in there, gets a touchdown, wins you a lot of money. I don't know. Uh, Nick Boyle, I like that one from the Ravens because mm-hmm. uh, he'll slide in there with a touchdown every nine, once and again for them uh, down on the goal line. They like to use that second tight end sometimes, and he's plus twenty six hundred for anytime Ooh. touchdown. Plus 2,600. That's a good number. I like that one, too. Yeah. Anything else you like here? No, I think that's it. This has um, this, the, the offenses are kind of weird and both coming off bad performances. So uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not feeling inclined to think this is going to be a high scoring game. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I tend to lean a little bit towards some of these over on the Browns, like Amari Cooper over four and a half catches. I mean, that seems feasible. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, I like it a little bit. As we usually say, I, I like the running back numbers for sure on Chubb. You know, one screen pass, and he gets both of those. So, uh, yeah. with the seven and a half yards. But interesting stuff. Uh, on the other side, like we do every week of this break, we will talk about the three keys to victory, three from Jake and three from myself. We will be right back with your game day crossover preview, All Eyes on Cleveland, and the OBR film breakdown. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, we are back. Uh, it's game day, and we've got your keys to victory here. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, get us started, Jake. Uh, I think that it is vital for the Browns to get off to a fast start in this one. Interesting statistic. Nobody has scored a uh, touchdown against the Ravens on the first possession uh, this season. Um, and if you can get... You know, it'd be great to break that, first of all. But if you can just score first, I think it's incredibly important for them to keep the running game in play by keeping this game strip, game script, pardon me, uh, neutral or positive. Uh, they can't play catch up at all. We saw what happened last week. No, no, yeah. I agree. They can't. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we talked all year about the formula. It's tough to do that formula against Baltimore, who's formula is actually pretty similar in nature yes. they're not they're not creating a bunch of explosives so uh it's a pretty similar formula but to your point yeah man they uh they've got to take care of the rock this week they 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 specifically do and i know you're going to talk about that later but that first drive is really important for them uh they've they've usually been a pretty good opening script team the browns so they have yeah. um yeah that'll be it's very rare they come out and three and out the thing they threw a second play pick last week which was kind of jarring because they've been so solid to start the the uh season so um but yeah that that that, that would be huge to for either team to get up now i feel like baltimore has better come from behind ability than cleveland but getting up early here would be really important definitely okay mine uh first one as i should say here is we're you know i'm uh, i'm losing my mind a little bit on order here brad my bad uh handling the blitz i thought you know, Baltimore's always been so heavy blitz. The Wink Martindale DC era there, they were like as risk reward as it gets with uh with blitz stuff. Man to man press blitz challenge you, but they're not as blitz happy this year. Last week a lot of the mugged fronts gave Jacoby Brissett some issues in, in making him feel rushed. So yeah. I will be fascinated to see if there is a return to some of that stuff where they do the creeper stuff and mug the a gaps like um you know uh heart not, not uh, belichick did last week because it gave jacoby fits he was he just was very jittery and panicky and he didn't he didn't process it and last week when uh new england brought seven or more pass rushers he uh was over two with two interceptions two turnovers so um that's a big part of things i'm sure that that baltimore is really looking into this week is how can we make jacoby feel uncomfortable and the Browns, I'm sure, are trying to stay out of third and pass or any yeah. obvious pass situation. But, you know, nonetheless, you're going to have to deal with those at some point. So, uh, you know, how they deal with them and how Jacoby's able to deal with them and how he handles just the pressure stuff in general uh, is going to dictate a lot of their passing outcomes this week. Yeah, I you got to figure a little bit last week. Uh, they probably gave a little bit of a, you know, a game plan to some teams that want to look into that film. Uh, mm -hmm. for the Browns, and already Baltimore is similar to uh, New England in, in the way that, you know, they're multiple with their odd fronts and whatnot and five-man fronts and different stuff that they'll show up there. So it could be, you know, I think they'll probably follow suit, right? 
uh, to have to think that you can't can't really watch last week and not think it's a good idea the way the way the Browns sure. just completely failed to handle it. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's a certainly a big key. What's your second one? Uh, my second one is going to be uh, to. I mean, they're going to Browns are going to need somebody to step up this week a little bit with Humphrey, depending on how they play this. And as you already kind of mentioned, that you know Humphrey may follow Amari, right, uh, or travel with Amari, and then they've got Marcus Peters, and they do have a rookie. Uh, nickel corner, uh, and they've had a little bit of trouble there. Kyle Hamilton has struggled a bit uh, as well. So depending on how they want to guard Njoku and the Browns' like tertiary options, as you know, if it, that's with DPJ or even David Bell, I think those guys need to step up. So I, I say look for a big week from either uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones or David Bell or even Njoku if they're going to keep the corners on the, their best corners on the outside. You know what I mean? So um, it depends on how they want to play this. Uh, but I like uh, David Bell for a big week or Donovan Peoples-Jones mainly. Yeah, I think there's something to be had along the interior of this defense. I'm kind of excited to see what they can do with Njoku uh, as well, uh, a guy in, again, the interior of their their coverage stuff has not been very good. They've talked about, at least the guests I talked to said they've, they've put Humphrey inside. So like if yep. the Browns did travel Amari inside, which they do in their three by one looks and sometimes out of two by two, uh, how much of that does Humphrey chase him? Right? Like that would be a wise thing in my opinion for them to do. We'll see if they actually do it, but um, I'm paying close attention to that uh, for sure, because I do think there are going to be opportunities out of lighter personnel groupings, like 11 personnel to attack, nickel slot whatever if you get them in dime there's some things you can do to them in dime as well so uh that is uh you know when they lost kyle fuller and they've lost some pieces like Tavon young left them like they they're kind of hurt there so they haven't had yeah. as good a play so we'll see how the browns are able to maybe manipulate some of those matchups for sure demarion um, demarion williams is their nickel he's a rookie i believe fourth round pick so that's interesting. Yep, that sounds familiar. That's that's uh, it's not a very well known name at all. Right. So it should be interesting to see how they attack him. Um, I kind of said my second one was making certain players that don't want to tackle on that roster tackle. Marcus Peters on the perimeter, can you make him tackle? Their linebacker group, Patrick Queen's been a little better, but their inside linebacker group's not that strong outside of him. Josh Bynes plays a lot for them, which is not an ideal situation. Their uh, Odafe always playing out of position because Tyus Bowser's hurt. Like they've got some guys playing out of position so can you create some run game opportunity from those guys being out of position so that's uh definitely where my eyes are going to be if they can create some run game manipulation because when they ran on the perimeter even as poorly as the browns ran they when they got the ball on the perimeter three times in pin pool last week they, they ran three times for 35 yards so like they can they can do it it's just driven by opportunity right game flow opportunity so I want to put people in that defense that don't want to tackle into tackle conflict. So I'll be watching that really closely to see if they can go after perimeter run game. Yeah, that's that's awesome stuff, Jake. I totally agree. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, it's all about uh, opportunity there, and the more they can do it. I mean, it's not it's not like they were completely shut down last week. They just didn't have the opportunity to really build on anything. So um, as I move to my third uh, key here, and it, it sounds obvious, but it's a little bit deeper than that. You know, of course, the turnover battle is – is huge, but when you look at this Ravens team and you look at how much Lamar has kind of thrown other people the ball and turned it over at times, they are still plus four in takeaways, and they have 12 takeaways as a team on the season. The Browns uh, are minus three uh, for the season, so uh, a big differential there, and uh, they're very opportunistic. So you have to, I mean, if you want a chance to win this one, you have to come out either neutral or positive on the turnover uh, battle on Sunday. 
It has to. Yeah. It's a must Huge. have. They can't win games. They turn it over more than the opponent, like flat out. They've the teams that were on the schedule they could do that with are gone. So yes, they they can't have any more of those issues. Um, good point. I'll close with Mark Andrews. It seems like he's going to play. He was dealing this week with an injury and was limited at portions of the week, but he's trending toward playing and he's just a weapon. Like he's their wide receiver, man. Like, you know, you talk yeah. about Bateman, maybe playing, maybe not. I haven't seen the latest on Bateman. Sure. There'll be an answer on that by the time you guys are listening to this podcast, but like Andrews hasn't even been asked to pass block in a single rep this year. When they throw, he's, he's out. He's their best wide receiver. Like according to data, I've seen 66 and a half of his slots have been snaps have been in the slot disconnected 21 of the, pretty much 22% have been out wide. Like again, a true wide receiver or, and only like 13, 12 and a half, 13% have been as an inline tight end. So this is a game where you would love to have somebody who could follow him or make him uncomfortable or whatever. I think the Browns will use a bunch of different ways to try to cover him, but he is the singular focal point of what they do in the passing game. It all revolves around him. So if you can keep Andrews in check, you have a chance if you let him do what he's done against Cleveland so many times over the last three years or so, then it starts to become really difficult. But he is the singular focal point. They do not have wide receivers uh, that should scare you to the point that they dictate your game plan like like Anders does. Not that we can pin down what Joe Woods is doing defensively, but do you kind of peg this as a Ronnie Harrison game? One would think, Brad. I mean, I don't I don't know, though. I, I really don't know who they trust to do that kind of role I'm talking about here. You know, like it's yeah. a... Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's a role like Kyle Duggar was like last week with New England is so good at it, and the Browns don't really have a guy like that who's re who's really good at that role. Sure. And that's an unfortunate thing because tight end erasers or or making tight ends uncomfortable is a really really important job in modern football, and that to not have somebody that can do it like a guy like Duggar, um, not many teams have the luxury of Duggar's a special player. I think he's coming into his own, but. They're going to have to figure out a way to always identify him, right? Like always identify him and staying on top of if Hey, if we're in three, we need to know where he is. If he's lined up in the slot, if he's lined up here, there, wherever, you know exactly what combinations he likes to run. So, you know, the Browns have been upticking in man. I don't know if they'll continue to run. Like I said, I wrote about earlier this week, they had the fifth highest man to man rate in the NFL from weeks four to six. So, does that mean they do a little more of that? Does that mean they try to cultivate more matchups? And if they do, who's the guy you like to do that? Is Delpit the guy you want to pin on him? I like good luck, right? Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe John. John has had success in his career at other stops, like handling George Kittle when he was with the sure. Rams. Like he's done some of that stuff before, but he's he's the like the only guy they seem to trust in deep coverage here. So I don't really have a great answer, and I don't feel super optimistic about it. But if they do win this game and they were to, say, control it and win it, which is something we don't. I don't think any of us really expect, but if they were to control it and win it, it would be driven by stopping Andrews. You, you, know, you can still win this game if you bottle up everybody outside of Andrews, in my opinion, but yeah. it, won't be, it won't be easy. You know, So yeah. I think that's the singular player that you're circling in the passing game. He's not a threat to really block much. They have this other tight end young player out of Coastal named Isaiah Likely, who's a nice player, but you know he Andrews. Is, yeah. Andrews drives the entire engine of what they do in the pass game there, and um, yeah, you just you got you got to figure out a solution for him. But but if you don't and you let him do his thing, like you need to then bottle up Duvernay and everybody else involved in the passing game and Prochet and all those guys. Yeah, it's it's not like there's a ton of weapons out there, so yeah, you know you should be able to figure something out here, and then we'll see what it'd be interesting to see what they do and who they use there, uh, as you said.
don't really know, but uh, yep. uh, it's intriguing. I wonder if a guy like DeAnthony Bell, although he hasn't played this year, would be good at something like that. He seems like that would fit his play style to maybe step in, and, and not that they would use him this week at all because he hasn't played very much, but in the future, or if this season were to roll out of hand, unfortunately, if he would get a shot at you know, taking a tight end for a game or something like that. That kind of fits. Yeah, I, I want to, I would roll. All those chips are on the table. If the season rolls out of hand, they're two and six gets to two and seven, God forbid, or something like that. Like I, I want to figure out who matters on this roster next year. That's kind of what I'm like paying attention to most. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. a guy like Bell getting an opportunity or something would be of interest to me. So I, I'm with it. I, I'm at the point where two, they need to just try things. They they yeah. and I felt like yeah, last man. few weeks they've been trying and they the man stuff has really hurt them at times. Like last week it clearly hurt them at times, but I'm okay with trying some different things if you're struggling to find anything that amounts to much consistency. So I gave Woods credit for that vocally this past week, but you know, Brad, it's just it's hard. I mean, they the the guys aren't making plays that they on top of many other things and it's all sort of steamrolling on top of itself right now. It's hard to feel as we go into this game, like super optimistic that they're going to have yeah. some great solution based on how they play defense right now. It's really hard to feel that way. I've said a lot this week, Jake, on that, and you mentioned the, the change to man, right? And it's like, for me, it's like, okay, so all year this defense has been dealing with first it was coverage breakdowns and then it was just huge holes in the run game and missing assignments there and then they spent a whole week on like the the fundamentals of tackling because the tackling was so bad and now they've switched from mostly zone to mostly man or a lot more man and to me it's like all the emphasis is interior or internal and you're trying to plug so many holes like how could you ever like a good defense is supposed to have a opponent-based game plan to stop what the opponent is doing if everything you're working on is like fixing yourself like it almost seems impossible that you could turn in and have a proper week of preparation for your opponent well it's just bananas to be saying that three weeks into a season too like sorry three years into a system like yeah this is the third year woods has been here and you guys can't get the simple stuff down like again i'm pretty vocal on my stance right now about what the future is at the dc spot like i just don't see it so i'll leave it at that but i that's why i don't have a ton of optimism about hey man we can they can they throw this wrinkle in this week to get this result okay i know like Right now, yeah. it feels like they're throwing darts at the dartboard and just hoping something works itself out. Like yeah. that's that's what they're doing because they're they're in crisis mode. Where hey, we can simplify it and just run man because then guys don't have to remember where to be or you know <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's a lot of that shit right now and that's sad. It's really sad. Yeah, but that's yeah. why I mean, if you want to listen to more, and I've said plenty, I've said plenty on my pod and I've said plenty on my chalk talk shows on Tuesday, which incorporate the all twenty two. But like you know, Nate Tyson. Um, Robert Mays are at, at the uh, the Athletic, and they they did their preview this week. They broke down the Browns' defense from their perspective. Again, a super neutral party on this whole thing, and you know they they gave a lot of the same opinions I did. I mean, it's it's extremely basic, it's extremely flawed, and and their usage of personnel is is just it's interesting to say the least. And again, if you want an, yeah. an unbiased opinion, where you know you you think like, well, they're just you know they cover the team and they got to no, these guys are just NFL based and they're watching. With a with a with an eye of just like what's going on here, and they come to a lot of similar conclusions. So you can check that out on their week. Not to give them a free piece of press here, but I mean they wrote no, it up. Totally. They covered they covered it themselves as well. Yeah, no, totally it makes sense to uh, 
to view that from p different people's uh, perspectives sometimes and, and uh, you know, check your work and stuff. So that's cool. Um, uh, anything uh, before you get up and out of here before this? Uh, this is a huge game. I mean, you got the Browns. Ha this is a must have. I mean, we, we say all the time this is a must win, but literally this is a must win. Yeah, these like, two weeks they've put themselves in a must win. Like they, yeah. they want to stay alive and have a real optimistic feeling about the outcome of this year. They've got to win these two games. So, yeah. I, listen, I, I have a weird feeling something good's going to happen. I don't really know why. I kind of predicted 26-24 is the final. I don't have a great vibe for why I feel optimistic, but um, I do. So if you're, a, if you're a vibes person, hopefully that's the vibe you wanted to hear. Hey, man, you know, I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll take it and take that as a uh, positive uh, note because, you know, you never know because, you know, they're dealing with a lot of the same stuff. So maybe they... Uh, we catch them on a good week. A couple turnovers. Lamar likes to throw it to the other team sometimes, and you know, maybe maybe something good happens here, and then you can get onto a positive night rolling into what will be it would be a crazy Halloween uh, Monday night game against Cincinnati. So you got to hope that great, one yeah. rolls into the other. So that's kind of uh, my thought on it. Thanks, Jake. You've been fantastic. Go follow, listen to everything at the OBR pregame, postgame, all your stuff that you guys are doing, Jake. Yeah, same old stuff, man. Pre-post and pot on monday all that fun stuff so hopefully they give us something fun to talk about brother for jake burns of the obr film breakdown my name is brad ward of all eyes on cleveland thanks for listening to our game day crossover show go browns go browns <laughs>